Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Let's start by talking about that second leg semi-final between Chelsea and Middlesbrough. Craig Burley, Shaka here, stop myself, Kay Murray and Frank LeBuck will be joining us in just a moment. But it was a big win for Chelsea on the night. 6-1 on the night, 6-2 on aggregate. An own goal from Johnny Housen, goals from Enzo Fernandez, De Sassi. Cole Palmer actually getting two on the night this time around. Madweki nipped in as well with one. Morgan Rogers did put a little consolation one on the board for Middlesbrough, but it was all Chelsea and they were helped along by Borough, Craig. It was just crazy how Borough continued to try and play out from the back and it kept costing them a mistake and Chelsea took advantage of that. And, and Borough never changed, they kept doing it and, and they paid the price. They absolutely did, but it is now Chelsea through to the final at Wembley where they will face the winners of the game between Fulham and Liverpool. Just mentioned, Frank LeBuff was watching it and I'm not sure if he's happier for the result or as frustrated as what he saw from Middlesbrough tonight. But as for Chelsea, that was the response that was expected of them, Frank. Yes, yes, uh, Kay. First of all, I'm very sorry about your almighty <laughs> team. But uh, yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea did what they had to do, but they didn't have to fault themselves in a way because uh, the guy explained, you know, Middlesbrough did the job for them. What is the biggest weakness of Chelsea nowadays? They can't create any chances. So what? Why they they appointed Mr. Michael Carrick to be the best coach ever for Chelsea Football Club, and I'm saying for Chelsea Football Club because he did everything to help to help the players out to to score goals. He allowed these players to think that as a championship team they could play from behind, from the back, and 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 have no problem. That's exactly what Chelsea was looking for because they can't create chances. So Middlesbrough tries to play from the back instead of kicking very high and just wait, park the bus uh, and uh, just wait for them to come and have and struggle. That it, it happened before the first goal. They couldn't score. They couldn't create anything except the Chilwell uh, header. And yes, I think it was a, a penalty. But otherwise, it didn't create because Middlesbrough didn't give them anything. And I don't understand Michael Carrick, really. He was an absolutely fantastic player. But what he showed today... Uh, tells me that he has to improve his coaching career because he exactly, exactly did what uh, Pochettino was expecting from Middlesbrough, playing nowadays football. Crazy. Yeah, I don't think there's too much more to say about this game. Let, let's... Well, well, I mean, Chelsea, professional, as Rob will mention in commentary, some, some, some bigger tasks to come. Villa and, and Liverpool coming up. But they can do no more. They made hard, heavy weather of the first game at the Riverside. But why do these teams keep trying to do things that they struggle to do in their own league? And if there was only a blueprint for a team that did what Middlesbrough tried to do in the Championship and had success with it, Burnley, won the Championship, playing football at the back, have come to the Premier League, tried to do the same thing, guess where they are? They're in the relegation zone because it is so much more difficult to try and do that against elite level players. And even though Chelsea are struggling in the league, they still have very good players. And so you have to adjust your game. And even, mm. if, you, even if you make a couple of mistakes, once you go 2-0 down, somebody has to say, right, mm -hmm. let's not try and play out from the back. It's 2-1 on aggregate, one goal gets us back in, let's squeeze up, let's tuck the full-backs in, let's play it long to your two strikers, 
push the midfield up behind. This is not rocket science, by the way. Try and win some second balls in Chelsea's half and let's play from there. No. Let's continue to try and do the things that have been killing us. And that's what made this tie almost unwatchable mm -hmm. in the end. And that's what we feared when this tie was came out. The two legs that... And we can be thankful that we even got to a second leg and we had something to go. I mean, what if Middlesbrough uh, sit deep? But this was my fear from a neutral perspective that it was going to be a mess and tonight was a mess. And, and to, to, to that point and uh, to, to, to Franks, if you're Michael Carrick and Middlesbrough and you see the first leg, you see how Chelsea create all of their opportunities. You see where your opportunity comes from. How, how do you explain today's setup? Yes, listen, I understand you have injuries and, and you have to shuffle the pack and so you decide to go to, to a back four. But why you decide to play a high line, no pressure on the ball, why you continue to try to pass the ball out to the back is beyond me. So it's a whole lot more than just making in-game adjustments because, because the wheels came off in the second leg. You saw the wheels wobbling in the first. And, and you do, and not only do you not address it, you double down on it. And, and, and for me, so... Um, Middlesbrough got exactly what they deserved with, with that in mind Chelsea couldn't have had an, an easier day I don't think semi-finals come any easier than the 90 minutes we, we just witnessed Chelsea move on they're still no test to come rest assured um, but Chelsea can be thankful for, for Middlesbrough I'll, I'll call it naivety and I'm being as kind as I possibly can. Well, that's the point, isn't there, Nadem? Pitch side tonight at Stamford Bridge. There are much tougher tests ahead for Chelsea now. In their FA Cup against Aston Villa, it's not going to be so easy for them. No, you'd expect it to not be that case. I think even though Villa aren't exactly in the best moment right now, I think they do know how to play against Chelsea. I think they've won here already this season. So for Chelsea, they did what they needed to do today and they understood there was going to be something there for them available if they went and pressed in a really organised manner. And I think some of the turnovers led to so many issues for Middlesbrough. And I think, you know, I heard you guys talk about, say, Burren playing out from the back. From what I saw with Carrick there, he wasn't telling them, you have to, you have to, you have to. And I think sometimes this is one of those symptoms where players, they take on instruction, but then they're still expected to manage games, and they just didn't do that today at all. I thought they looked good at times, and they managed this well in the first leg, where they would move it, but they needed to have the threat in behind, and I think that's where you know the goal for Morgan Rodgers came from, and I think yellow card as well uh, against Thiago Silva. And if you're going to play, don't play just for the sake of it. And unfortunately, I think some of those players thought, this is what we're going to do to show how good we are. But Chelsea, as the guys have said, they've got better players. They understand how to press better and then an opportunity that can come there. But again, it's a, it's a big day for Chelsea, getting themselves to another final. You know, I think it's the second in three years, however long it is. But yeah, the game against Villa, that will be a tough test for them. But the players are feeling themselves and as long as they're healthy, I think they'll believe that they can get the result. Frank, while Naden was talking, there was something going on. We saw some strange faces being pulled by you. Uh, no, 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 because I was, I was thinking about the fact that he said that the coach didn't want them to play like that, Middlesbrough. I think he should have forbid them to play like that. That's, that's, his, that's his role. He, has, he should have a plan. He said, guys, I forbid you to play from the back. You're going to be smashed back. I think we all, we all agree we are four pundits, four former players. We all agree that it was the worst to do. And that's why I don't understand. It was I was teasing a little bit Michael Carey because it's, it was obvious uh, during the first tie, that Chelsea couldn't create anything unless you give him the give them the opportunity to do so, and so if he's not saying, "Oh, you shouldn't do too much of that," 
he should have said, I forbid you to do that. Kick a long boy, play higher, you know, uh, give pressure. That's exactly what you have to do and what you, could be, you, you have a chance to be successful about. All right, Chelsea won this time. Yeah, I, I think look, the probability is Chelsea would have won this game anyway. Uh, but I think what we're trying to see is it, it might have been a contest. It might have been somewhat of a contest, yeah. which in the end, well, once it got close to half-time, uh, it, it wasn't a contest at all. Chelsea doing better at home recently, though. Obviously, you can take this game and say it's against slower opposition, but this is just their recent run of results at home. Which, well, but I look, I'm not by their own standards, I'm not been funny. Right? Let, let's just take the last five or six. Right, Sheffield United relegation cannon fodder. Uh, Newcastle, the trippy mistake at the end, dug them out. They won on penalties. Crystal Palace heading towards the relegation zone, talking about Roy Hodgson's job. And then you got Preston North End in the Championship, Fulham, West London Derby, decent side, uh, and Borough. So it's a bit like, in some sense, when Manchester United were having this patch, uh, and I don't know how I've got Man United in this segment again, <laughs> because the two clubs, the two of the clubs that are spending a lot and, and are struggling, but when Man United had this period and Ten Hag's got a lot of stick and people were saying, yeah, but look at these results, we've got five wins in a row or four wins in a draw or whatever it is, but... When you peeled it back and looked at who they'd been playing, uh, the opposition was weak and they'd struggled. And that opposition there recently is, is pretty weak, but you can only beat what's in front of you. There's a big acid test coming up. FA Cup on Friday, which we have live uh, against Villa, and then Liverpool. And that's where you're going to learn. You're not going to learn about your players walloping Borough by six goals at home when they're making mistakes. You're just not. You're not really going to learn a lot there. All you're going to do is get people sharpness and fitness like Chilwell, uh, get them back into the side, get them a run of games because they've struggled in the full-back, stroke, wing-back positions. That's the kind of things you can take out from it. You can't really take much else from a side that basically lie down like Borough did. So there's some huge games to come. But this is a day that when Pochettino woke up, he went, please no, please, please, just please don't let... Let's go wrong. Let's stay there, though, talking about Chilwell coming back and talking about their 11 today. Is this an 11 that he sticks with for these upcoming games? Well, I don't trust Modric at all. Uh, I, I think he's... he's. I think what he does a lot of times, it's a head-scratcher. He wants to do everything at 100 miles an hour, so I don't really trust that. Obviously, you know, Sterling and, and Cole Palmer are pretty much one of the first names on, on the team sheet. Chilwell, obviously. So, and then it's whether Conor Gallagher comes back in, he was on the bench today, or whether he sticks with what he's got. I would imagine he might stick with what he's got. So I think, I don't know about you, Shaq, I, I'm okay with the goalkeeper, even if Sanchez is, I, I like this goalkeeper. And I'm not biased because he was coached by my old teammate <laughs> and best man, Kevin Hitchcock, who said, by the way, this guy is going to be really good and he, and he looks good. Uh, I think the seven or eight, Maybe seven you could hang your hat on and say that's who he's going to select. And there's three or four other positions, at least. Striker, one of the wide positions, maybe midfield, and then uh, one of the full-back positions. So it's still not a guarantee. I, 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 I think he sticks with this, with this 11. And, and, and Do you like, but you like Modric against even... Well, a, a, I, I think Modric at least gives you some pace. And, um, you know, the, 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 the thing for me is, is you look at Chelsea and, and even when you swap personnel... You don't get much of a change. You don't get much of a change in terms of performance. You know, we could d debate who, who, who should be the striker, whether it's Rowe or anybody else. They, they need to bring somebody in. 
and, and that for me is, is the travesty of who Chelsea are right now. We keep talking about the money that they spend, but even as, as you change players in and out, it, it, it's, it doesn't change the performance. It doesn't really change uh, how, how good they look, aside from Gallagher, who they're trying actively to, 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 to sell this, this January. So to your question, yeah, I'd, I'd play the same 11. At least they got to win. At least this team is, is now playing with some confidence. Don't, don't change that just yet. I, I, I think it's a very fragile confidence. It's a very fragile run. But stick, stick with it because at least it's, it's bringing you've, some results. You've spent all this money, right? And, and Breuer might go before the transfer window closes if they get the, the right money, possibly. And it's unlikely they bring somebody in and at that late notice, but, but they might. But they've got this team coming up called Liverpool, who are without Mo Salah for African Cup of Nations and now injury. But yet, you look at the four players, call them four players that can rotate. Luis Diaz, Cody Gakpo, Darwin Nunes, Diego Jota, right? N not perfect, but pretty good. Then you look at Chelsea and you go, oh, we've spent that bullet. Who are we going to play there? And who's going to get the goals there? And who's going to play up front? So there's the difference. Liverpool at least have three or four Pretty good options, even if you say, oh, Nunes doesn't... Nunes, you know, if he's not scoring goals, he's running the channels. If he's not running the channels, he's fighting with centre-halves. He's, he's just... He's, it's not just about goals with him. If you get goals from Nunes, it's a bonus. But when I look at Chelsea's options in that front three or four, whatever you want to call it, it it's nowhere near as good as what it, Liverpool it's, have. It's, it's almost a little bit, you know, to, to the point I'm making, comical that Mudrik, all you can say is, yeah, he runs really fast. You know, that, that's, that's kind of Chelsea's options right now. And, and you're scratching your head to identify what, what players bring. Is it enough for what's ahead, Nadem? Um, I think, you know, if we're going to compare them to Liverpool's front line, obviously with Salah to come back in as well, then I think most sides up and down the league would struggle with that level of sort of um, goal, score, goal scoring and contribution. But I think for the way that they played, I've got to say, Mudrik today, he was getting a lot of grief from his manager and a lot of grief as well from Enzo Fernandez on the field. He was kept barking instructions at him because every time someone's moving one way, he was supposed to be going the other and he was doing the exact opposite. And there were so many little transitions where he'd give the ball, he'd get the ball and just turn it over with like a little stupid decision. And you can see the manager was losing more and more faith in him. And I don't know if that was affecting his confidence or whatever, but for me, I don't think he's... He doesn't seem too viable for the next games if the way that they were reacting to him today is how they think about him for the whole season. So Madueke is probably going to come back in. And yes, they don't have the sort of star power that Liverpool have up top, but they still have an ability to score. We're seeing Cole Palmer have you know, the best season of his career so far. And you know that he can bring other people into the game. And going up against Liverpool, you will be outgunned, but it's not to say that you can't get something from that game. And even against Villa, anything is possible, I think. Pochettino will probably try and find a side against Liverpool who might be better in transition. You know, hit Liverpool on the break when maybe they overcommit to a certain extent. But for this Villa game, I think it's going to be a good football and affair. How can they sort of manage the way that Villa like to control that centre of the field with, say, their four players in there? But again, Chelsea, they're a, they're a tough team to follow just because sometimes, you know, they can get a result, but it never looks the way that we want. But it's still a result nonetheless. And I wouldn't be surprised if they won against Villa. And they maybe got something against Liverpool because that first game of the season they had here against Liverpool was a really good game of football. And most of those faces are still playing for these two clubs. Frank, you get the final say on Chelsea. Well, oh, as you know, they're fantastic. Uh, best, best club ever. While I'm, while I'm here in the stadium, it's best place ever. <laughs> Never been anywhere better than Stamford Bridge. <laughs> Go on, Frank. What have yeah. you got to say? Uh, 
Well, you know, I think uh, I agree with Craig. I think Modric should, uh, should go. And, uh, but I would be more keen to go into being stro uh, stronger on the, uh, on the midfield zone. Well, it's why I will put Gallagher instead of Madweke and uh, maybe play, you know, try to be strong defensively and play uh, on a transition and counter-attack. Uh, with Palmer, uh, uh, Sterling, and maybe to finish, hopefully, uh, Broya. So, but th that's the only option that you have. You know, Madweke is a good player, but uh, uh, very in, in uh, uh, playing with his instinct instead of uh, maybe thinking a little bit more about the game, like Mudric does. They are they are talented players with the future, with good good skills. But right now, they for me far away from uh, what we expect from them. So. Gallagher will be uh, will make the, the midfield zone stronger, the middle of the park stronger. So it's why I would go with that option. But uh, that's going to be a different uh, different game against uh, against the villains for sure. Mod Modric just oh, I put Modric, but he, make, he makes he makes too many bad decisions to be in this Chelsea side at this moment in time. Whether it's without the ball or, or with the ball, his decision making is poor. And as for the makeup of the midfield, that's going to be key for this game because Villa are really strong in there. Douglas Louise, Bubikar Kamara, John McGinn, whoever plays. They're very, very strong in the middle of the park. That's going to be a big test for Caicedo and, and Enzo Fernandez if, if the other two guys that play. But Modric, he's going to have to sharpen up. He's unreliable at the moment. OK, big test ahead. We're going to let Nadem go now. Go and get warm, Nadem. Go and enjoy the delights of London. I'm sure you know them all. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Here is the FA Cup fourth round schedule <laughs> that is ahead, including that game, as Craig mentioned, that will be here on ESPN Plus Chelsea against Aston Villa on Friday. We've also got Tottenham against Man City too. Plenty of action when it comes to the FA Cup, including Liverpool's game against Norwich City on Sunday. To La Liga we go now, top of the table looks like this, Girona one point ahead of Real Madrid, a game ahead of them too and it was a big weekend in terms of the title race, particularly in terms of contentious VAR decisions in Real Madrid's game against Almeria who are still yet to win a game all season in La Liga. So we wanted to revisit this Craig. How, wait, 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 How good was Girona, by the way, again in that game against Sevilla? It was yep. utterly brilliant, wasn't it? They were. They're I scattered away from that a little bit. Yep. What yeah, do you want to talk about? Which one? Real Madrid? We're going to talk about the three big decisions in that Real Madrid game. Because well, we had uh, Matt Clattenberg on, as you know, and he said one of well, the three was right, and our VAR man, Dale Johnson, agrees with that. Well, and one of the three he was OK with. Dale Johnson's a journalist. Well, he does, he does his VAR. Yeah, I... Yeah, he's just. I, I drive backing, cars. He's, he's backing Clats. Frank's still with us, by the way. And not, nothing against Dale, but Dale's not our. He's not. Okay. He's not our arbiter of the rules, is he? He's a journalist. Well, let's see if you agree with him then. Let's start with Real Madrid's. I didn't see the show yesterday. I don't know what Clattenburg said. Okay. But why, I saw. Why, why did you say you drive cars? Well, you just said you drive cars all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm a racing driver then, isn't I? <laughs> so. Uh, he said still, the, the so Vinny goal was right, but the other two decisions. I don't were agree right. with that. I don't. I don't agree with it. And I know. I was listening to Shaq on uh, Sunday, I believe. The defining ang angle from behind the goal, and bearing in mind you're scoring a goal. The, the defining angle for Vinicius Junior behind the goal was was and, and and as Shaq said, his arm his arm sort of comes up towards it as well. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I don't, I don't, so, this is the, the, the angle coming up. This is the angle, I, I, I thought that was telling. That one. Yeah. There's another one somewhere that shows. Anyway, so I honestly don't think that should, here, here, look at the arm. Yeah. For me, that's an, for me, that should not stand. Because you're scoring a goal, basically, and and and, the, and I believe the decision on the field was uh, the handball. Yeah, was the a handball. Allowed yeah. it for handball. Yes. So again, we've re-refereed that one. I mean, if it hit him, I don't want to get into this little straw man that they had on the show the other day, the little yeah. IFAB thing. I don't want to get into that. But if it if it hit him square on the shoulder, yeah, but it didn't. I mean, it was down here. And there was that movement, which I think you talked about. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was handball. And, and listen, yeah. I, I get the point that, that many are making, that, you know, from, from one angle it looks fine. Um, if, as a referee, you see both, I, I, I think without question you, you see that that's a handball for me. OK, so that's the Vinny goal. The Real Madrid penalty that Bellingham took... That got them back in the game. The handball. The handball. With, with the, with with the, the two Real Madrid players Kiki. claiming, yeah. I think. Uh, Rudi was a judge to a handball. Yeah, Rudi. 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 Well, there's two fouls. Rudiger is fouling the player in front. If you watch. Yeah. Right. Well, you could argue that Rudiger is fouling the player in front, and Hosselu, you could argue, is leaning on the defender and pushes him forward, and pushing the forward motion, which I think the way Luis Garcia described it, uh, it results in the ball coming off. The, the arm, uh, again, I, I, I agreed with his assessment at the weekend, which was, it, it was harsh. I mean, it should have been a foul. And, it was and, two, two fouls. And to the point that you were just making, on the field, the referee gives what, a goal kick or a corner, whatever it was, and all of a sudden being called back to the monitor to, to re-referee that. I, I just find, I, I, I find it all really bemusing. And then the last of them... Yeah. Was the VAR well, disallowed goal for well, Sergio Arribas? Well, you can't touch anybody by this. Right? I mean, as a player, right? This as a, a player. And what, what we do is, right? Let, let me tell you something. Jude Bellingham at this point is already off the ground, right? He's been he's been seen to by the medics, jokingly. Now look at him go down there. I got a lot of time for Jude Bellingham, like a lot of people. He's had a great season, but within. Five seconds of getting knocked over here and looking as if he's about to die. He picks himself up and he's watching the play. It's overreaction, nothing more. As a player, as a player, when you're... When I'm shielding the ball, or Frank LeBeouf shielding the ball from a player coming in, do you want us to do it? Again, it's a bit like the penalties with the hands at the side. You, It's a natural motion when you're playing the game that you shield. Now, every now and again, if it's not an elbow or that, or, a, or even a forearm, when you're shielding, there's going to be contact. And that's all that was for me there. Bellingham overreacts. Uh, he's up on his feet within a few seconds. And a, and a very, very good goal is disallowed. So that's, that's three goals. Three, or, or three incidents from Al Maria's perspective. No wonder that head coach mm. was on the touchline. Bearing in mind the season that they've had... Uh, last time out, they outplayed Girona, got a draw. Here they are in the Bernabeu, score after 30, 40 seconds, score another great goal, have all these decisions against them, including the one for the goal that was going to make it 3-1. I, I disagree. I think all three were... The final outcome, you disagree with all of them when it comes to the final outcome? 
I, I do, yeah. Yeah. I do. And what, the referee, again, on this occasion, never gave a free kick. No, yeah, so he's really. basically been... He has basically been cajoled Because he was by, looking right at the play. Yeah. Every decision, he's gone with his instinct and gone, no, I'm good with that. And it's the old gremlins in the ear going, oh, you need to go and have a look at that. And all of a sudden, he's, he's second-guessing himself and he goes to the monitor... And we know the story from there. Frank, do you agree with any of the final outcomes here? Yes, I do. And it's uh, for me insane when I see that again. That, uh, uh, and again, you know, you cannot blame the referee on the field. Uh, as the guy said, he's really the guy on the, on the monitor, Mr. Hernandez Hernandez, who, uh, who, uh, who decided to change something and to... Um, um, uh, alert the uh, uh, the referee wrongly, and uh, now he's going to any well some uh, conspiracy theory about you know many many things that I don't want to go through right now. But it's so big, it's so obvious that the guy in the monitor is completely wrong three times, that the ref is right three times, and these uh, decisions have been changed. So of course you're going to go to the big picture, and it's because everybody thinks it's too big. It's too obvious. Uh, they're going to see that. The people are going to see that. And even if you're Real Madrid and if you have a big team, you know, that night you, should have, you shouldn't have won because Almeria should have scored three goals and it should have been the end of it. And uh, all the decisions are wrong. And we again, we are three former players. We can agree immediately on that. Why somebody who is in the monitor will obviously knows nothing about football and the way the football players feel the football changes changes all the decision. That's absolutely, again, insane. And Craig drives cars just to, just to have a hold that point. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was so intrigued. <laughs> so well, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I watch a lot of police shows, you know, at night when I go home, but I don't, I don't uh, whenever there's a murder in town, nobody rings me to be the detective. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Barcelona then while we are talking about La Liga. Latest reports is that there is turmoil in that dressing room. Oh, not again. Not <sighs> the happiest of places. Well, the reports... Yeah, how, can, how can they be so unhappy when they've just made that great, that great win against Real Betis? OK. But yeah, they were the first team to win there all season. Torres, hat-trick. Lewandowski, off you come. Well... Jao Felix off the bench, great goal. OK, so... The, the two 16-year-olds play... How? I mean, your mouth down the no. wing, John, down all that. Why are we it's, so unhappy? It's not a place of harmony. Apparently, players openly challenging Xavi in that dressing room. The reports are saying that after that game against Unionistas, yeah. Lewandowski challenged the coach. Oh, he, was not, he was overheard speaking loudly, this is according to the report, about the team that was put out. Yep. Overheard. Yep. So that, you know, he didn't mind who heard him doing that. Do you know what Robert Lewandowski needs to do? I'll tell you, play better. That might help. If he plays better, because he's, he's, he's the big guy, right? He's, he's, he's the talisman. You might argue it's Gundogan and Frankie de Jong and whoever, right? Pedri is a youngster. But this guy's the talisman. They brought him in to continue doing what he was doing for Bayern Munich, right? And we can talk about age and whatever, right? But... He's not doing that. He's not doing that. And he's been, I was going to say vocal, but actually whiny from the start of the season. Ever since he was roughed up in the game at 
Was it the Getafe game? Mm-hmm. I think it was. I think it was Getafe away. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it, that was over-the-top stuff. But ever since that day, he's moaned and he's groaned about the league, about the referees, about the standard, about the lack of service to him, about his teammates, it seems, on the face of it. He's, he's whining about the manager. Is Robert Lewandowski actually whining about the one thing that he can make a change? And that's Robert Lewandowski himself. But he he's isn't not the only one, up- right? Because Gundogan did say after the Classico, remember, that he didn't expect a dressing room like that, that he didn't felt the dressing room was hurting. But that's not Xavi's fault. If he's got a bunch of guys who are younger yeah. players in the dressing room, that, that, and, and look, Xavi can... The buck will stop with the manager. But it's not really the manager's fault, but it is his job to deal with it. If they go in the dressing room after dominating a Classico, but unravelling in the final 20 minutes, as it did, and they did, and they lost... Uh, and players come in and are not angry or upset about it or frustrated, it's only Chavi's job to, to, to have a go at that if he feels right or leave it to the senior players. That's not his fault if a player comes in and goes, and I'm not suggesting this happened, but they come in and go, well, we, you know, we lost the game, but we played really well today. And we got, you know, that, that's generally not how players would react after a huge game like that. Here's my question around that. What is Gundogan doing in terms of changing um, the culture? He, he was brought in for a reason, and, and I feel more than just his playing ability. Now, the more these stories come out, the more I feel there's a lack of accountability from some of Barcelona's biggest names. And that's an issue. And while Barcelona continue to do this incredible job of bringing through young players, you have to rely on the more senior, more experienced players to kind of shape the culture in that dressing room. These are kids who are not used to playing in this kind of, of environment, with this kind of pressure, how to, how to handle losses or, or, or wins. So um, my question is, what is going on doing in terms of, here we have a player who's just come off the most successful season a, a club could just about asked for with Manchester City. He comes into Barcelona. What is he doing in terms of changing that culture? Where's his accountability? We know Robert Lewandowski. He's devoid of any kind of accountability. We saw that way back in his Bayern days when he wasn't winning the, the top score in the league title. He was blaming everybody else for the lack of service. Earlier on this season, did exactly the same, blaming, blaming the lack of service. Now, I, th- there's a total lack of, of as I say, accountability from Lewandowski, if he has a look at the chances that he's spurned, I, I'm not sure how you come in and, and just throw criticism everywhere else. So now all of a sudden it's gone from not that Lewandowski isn't playing well, but that Xavi isn't picking the right team, that Xavi isn't doing what he's supposed to do. And I just don't feel that these senior players in particular aren't pulling their respective weights within that, within that dressing room. It, it has to be. It has to be a combined effort. As you said, Shaq, he's got a history, sorry, Frank, of, of Lewandowski of throwing his, his toys out the pram. And as Shaq mentioned, he did it in Germany when he, when he felt he was not going to win this award yeah. and he wasn't getting enough goals and he was blaming teammates for not doing this and not doing that. But guess what? He kind of was able to get away with it in Germany because Bayern was so dominant. And, and as we sit here now, they still are until Leverkusen or somebody else uh, dethrones them. But in Spain, it's not like that, as you know. There is, you know, if it's not Real Madrid, it's Atletico Madrid uh, or somebody. There's always a real rivalry there that, that's putting pressure on one of the big two. If it's not one of the big two themselves fighting with each other, there's somebody else sniping around. And so the pressure, well, the bottom line, 
There's a way more pressure, right, no matter what anybody says in Spain, than there is in Germany. A way more pressure. But to, 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 mm. to, to that point, you could do that in Real Madrid. Lewandowski could have this kind of attitude at Real Madrid where you have 10 other fully established international footballers. But when you have a, a dressing room like Barcelona's, when you have a starting 11 with two 16-year rules, and then here comes a player who some argue should have won, should have won the Ballon d'Or a couple of seasons ago, coming in and throwing his toys out every time things don't go well, what does that say to them? How does that shape, how does that shape, the, the, how does that, shape that dressing room going forward? It's, I, it's a totally different Arsenal Lewandowski. And in my opinion, he's failing the bigger, the bigger picture for, for, as to what's needed in the Barcelona dressing room. So none of this is on Chevy, Frank? Well, I have a, I have a hard time, like the guys, to, uh, to find Xavi guilty of everything. Yes, he has his part of responsibility because he's the coach. And maybe, uh, you know, smashing the table in the dressing room and say, you know what, why don't you shut up and listen to me? I'm going to tell you what to do. That's the problem of our... Uh, I think uh, I see the old picture again where it's a kind of a reflection of our society where as soon as something doesn't work, you blame the other nowadays. Uh, uh, um, it's, it, we play a collecting sport, and what I see is, self, is only selfish, selfishness. Sorry, and and uh, and uh, you only think about what can be good for you because it doesn't work for every for for everyone. Uh, um, and normally, I would say that in my time, uh, the experienced players were trying to guide the youngest and to. Uh, find 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 terms, you know, in the dressing room how to work together. Now the the, the experienced player, the senior players, as soon as it doesn't work, they blame the coach, but they go public on top of it instead of dealing in the dressing room. I don't understand that uh, that that gener those generation. I, I, I was expecting much more from uh, Lewandowski, uh, uh, even De Jong, uh, and uh, Undogan, of course. Uh, but but it's a uh, it's, it's, it's very sad to see that because it, it makes me think of our society where nowadays we don't try to help each other. We try to blame each other and we don't take any responsibility for our acts. And that's, that's uh, coming from a collective sport, coming from an education for sharing stuff. It's very hard to see. I think if there is, and these are kind of reports and stuff. And, yeah, and Usually there's no, there's usually not, uh, there's no smoke without fire. Uh, if Xavi wants to get this, if there is a dressing room problem or what, if he wants to get that respect back, it's a bit like the little kid in the playground who's, who, who's getting picked on by the big, the big guy. If you want to get the respect of others, you've got to take the big guy down. And I think he might, ha he's at a stage where I think he might have to make a statement by leaving Lewandowski out. Two reasons. One, the players sit back and go, wow, he's, he's, if he's prepared to leave him out, he's prepared to leave me out. Now, you, you can lose a dressing room if you do that, but at the moment, it seems there's too many murmurings for him not to do anything. And, and also the fact is, he's not playing very well. Right? He's not playing very well. And, you know, Torres got himself the hat trick. He's a pacier player. And I, I, don't, I really don't believe that it is out with the bounds of reality to drop Robert Lewandowski. Now, if you'd said that to me 12 months ago, I'd have said, no, no, no. Now nah, they, they absolutely need them. I and this, as you said, it shot. This was a brilliant ball from from uh, Lamine Yamal. Just just crazy, and that was a great finish. And I think we're at a stage for this guy that Bassa might actually be a better, more efficient, 
quicker, more dynamic side without Robert Lewandowski in it. And it might also send a statement to the dressing room to say, go against me. If you're not doing it on the field, you're not playing. Well, let's see if they can make any sort of statement in their next game against Athletic that will be coming up and will be discussed tomorrow on the show. So be sure to be with the boys as they look back on that clash. Just taking a look at the bottom end of the Premier League standings, you can see Nottingham Forest there in uh, 16th spot and 20 points so far. And there's a lot of talk right now that they are in talks with Gio Reyna. Well, they're in, got six, but, well, they got they got 20 points at the moment. They yeah, might not, they might, might, not. might not have, hey? Uh, anyway, it's uh, said to be advanced talks as well, so we're going to welcome in Julian Laurent to tell us more about this and what he knows. Gio Reyna to Nottingham Forest, Jules. Hi, Kay. Yeah, uh, this is the, the most advanced talk for Joe Reyna. We reported last week on the website that there were a few clubs around Europe that he's been offered to by George Mendes, his, his new agent. And obviously, Nottingham Forest, where George Mendes has a very strong uh, influence, let's put it that way, was one of those clubs. And it, it seems that Claudio Reyna and Joe Reyna, uh, who eventually will decide where Joe is going to play, like the idea of coming to the Premier League, coming to England and play for Forest whose coach is obviously one of George Mendes' other clients in, in Nuno Espirito Santo. So again, you can clearly understand how uh, this transfer could come about. So he's looking for regular playing time, but in a team that's struggling, is this it? Well, he's only got to be better than what, what's there. And I think, you know, you, if it's a loan, it works for him because Forrest could well be relegated, depending on form and points deduction. But you look at the wide players or you look at the positions, Morgan Gibbs-White will play in that number 10 role. Normally, if, if fit, Giorino can, can play there. But if he wants to play wide, he's looking at Anthony Alanga and he's looking at Callan hudson Madoy, who haven't been regulars on the side and haven't played consistently well. So, there is... And, and by the way, I think Giorino's a better player than those guys. Maybe, you know, hudson Adoy's regressed a little bit. He was going to buy a Munich for 30 million, it seemed, a couple of years ago and uh, didn't go, didn't get game time at Chelsea. Goes to Forest, been a bit of a hit and a miss, so... I think Reyna could get game time there, but he potentially is going into a... Well, the side now is a little bit more progressive under Nuno Espirito Santo than it was under Steve Cooper. Under Steve Cooper, in the end, for as good a, good a job as he did, it was a very stoic, defensive sort of shape. The, the new coach is trying to change that, so it, it could potentially work for him, but he just... And, and it, it, whether it's Forrest, whether it's any other team in any other league... He just has to make sure two things happen. One, he stays healthy and fit, which has been a problem. And two, he's not sat on his backside on the bench. Those are the two things that Giorino needs to avoid to kickstart his career again. In terms of talent, I think Giorino gets into the, to the Nottingham Forest starting eleven. I, I, yep. I, I almost don't think there's much doubt about it. But the, the, the thing for, with Giorino for me is... I always feel he's one of those players who's remonstrating on the pitch with teammates when things don't go his way. You're playing in a team that's struggling. Things don't go your way a lot of the time. Does he then become a liability if that starts happening and happening with, with some consistency? What teams like Forrest, what teams on the bottom half of the table need are players who come in, roll their sleeves up and play, play from the opening whistle to the absolute last. Talent-wise, I have no questions, no concerns about Giorena. Mentality-wise and, and that personality-wise, 
is where I'm, I'm a little sceptical. Let's continue with the transfer talk and the transfer rumours as well, Jules. Karim Benzema wanting out of Saudi Arabia. Where are his possible landing spots? What are his options? Well, it's a good question, Kev, because we know that Ali Tihad uh, don't want to let him go, which is part of the problem. We, again, we, uh, we explained last week on the website that he was exploring all options and really I think the, 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 his favourite one was to leave Saudi Arabia and the Saudi League he's just not happy there it's not even if he scored many goals it's just not happening for him he's just not happy there but imagine uh, the Saudi Pro League and PIF which bankrolls the four biggest clubs that they have in their league Benzema was obviously one of the marquee signing if not the marquee signing in the summer to let him go six months after he arrived would be a, would be a, a disgrace they would certainly see it as a disgrace so I don't think they will open the door however if he can make them open the door and can have that, that transfer that he really, really wants, then I think there are not many clubs. He can't go back to Real Madrid, so he would not go to another Spanish club. I think that's pretty clear. I think England is somewhere that he would like to go, but let's not forget that uh, Karim is 36 years old. And I'm not sure if at that age, even for a six-month stint, a Manchester United or a Chelsea would be keen. I would love to see him in the Premier League, of course. It's a league that has always appealed to him, to be fair. But I'm just not sure what kind of clubs would come for him. So then what you left, we left, you left with Italy, going back home to Lyon, maybe that's a possibility, but it's a really hard, I think, transfer to make for John Texter and them. They've just signed Gift Orban from, from Ghent. They have Lacazette who's still there. But if you bring Benzema home, I think the fans will love you forever. So we can't rule this one out, but I still think that unless Ali Tihad opens the door, which is very unlikely, he won't be able to move. You reap what you saw, don't you? In terms of choosing to go there? Uh, absolutely, because, you know, you go over there, they're trying to build something. We know the mentality that, that they have in Saudi Arabia. It's, it's their way or the highway. And as Joe said, they, they're, they're, uh, there's already murmurings from other players. We've just seen Jordan Henderson uh, leave, but there are others who are voicing concerns about being unhappy. Uh, nothing to do with me. But all I'm saying is, is, is if, if you... If you want to leave Saudi Arabia, it's on their terms. And Karim Benzema will have to, to, to have to deal with that. They don't, they don't muck around. So you, you, you make the decision to go there, but you're going to have to toe the line, I'm afraid. One player that does seem to know his next destination is Calvin Phillips, and it looks as though that destination is West Ham Jaws. We'll get a little word on that, but why haven't Newcastle come in for a player like this? Well, when Newcastle coming for a player like who? Like, who? like Calvin, Calvin Phillips. Phillips. Oh, sorry. Um, I just don't think they can. Financially, we've explained on the show already that they're under uh, massive strains in terms of how much they spent before. They need to sell before anything else, really, before, before signing anyone, even a lone player with huge wages. Let's not forget, West Ham covered the whole wages of Calvin Phillips. There's nothing that City are going to pay for the next six months or for, for the rest of the season in terms of wages for Calvin Phillips, which is really rare. Usually when a player from a top, top club like, like, like a Man City player on huge wages, when he gets loaned out, they go 50-50, they go 60-40, find a way, but the, but the, uh, the, the club that own, owns him still pay 
subsequent amount of the wages. With West Ham, they pay everything, and I just don't think that Newcastle can pay everything right now. They they in such a under so much pressure financially to to fit within all the rules in the Premier League and also in Europe that they just can't afford anybody unless they sell, and that's why I think Calvin Phillips was never really a possibility for them. Okay, Hammer of the Year, Mayor of Newcastle. <laughs> Where do you stand on this? What have you got to say about it, Shaka? The, the move to West Ham makes an awful lot of sense. Ever since the departure of Declan Rice, I think West Ham been crying out for that mould of a defensive midfielder. I, listen, Calvin Phillips, this is, Declan Rice has left very huge shoes for, for Calvin Phillips to, to try to fill. But when you see some of West Ham's performances, you do feel you need somebody who can cover that ground to at least uh, allow some more attacking Thor, uh, plays from, from, from midfield. Everything about New, uh, West Ham's midfield has been just so defensive outside of Paqueta. And, and so he comes in and allows David Moyes to do a little bit more, to be a little bit more adventurous. Um, so I, I think it's a step in the right direction. I understand, I sympathise Newcastle, given their injuries, they could probably do with, with some strengthening, but finances as, as they are, um, as, as I've been saying all along, despite what, um, despite the... the the, the worth of, of the ownership, they are going to do things slowly. They're going to respect the regulations, especially when you see what's happening elsewhere in the league. Uh, and, and they are thinking very much long term. So they've decided a hands-off approach. Good, good move for Phillips. Well, really good. I think really good move for both player and, and club. Uh, a, a good player, one that's not been good enough, obviously, to, to break into this Man City side, but that's no shame when you look at... Uh, who he's up against, Rodri, and then bringing in the experienced Mateo Kovacic. But Calvin Phillips was absolutely wasted there, so happy to see him go away. And, and he'll get game time at West Ham, and as long as he's fit enough, I think he'll improve West Ham because he's a good player. And he's a, don't forget, even when he's not been playing at City, he's still been one of the first choices for Gareth Southgate for England, along with Declan Rice. So I think people know what his worth is, and, and yeah, it'd uh, be good for his career to get it kick-started again. Meanwhile, Jules, Bayern's pursuit of Kieran Trippier goes on while we are on the subject of Newcastle and it looks as though they are going to keep hammering away and trying to get this deal done. Yeah, they will push until the end, I think until the end of the month. They had a second offer rejected today for around 15 million euros, which you can say is still a lot of money for a 33-year-old uh, who's hadn't really had a good season so far. But in the situation financially that Newcastle are in, I think to let somebody like Trippier, who's so important for them in terms of leadership and, and everything he brings to this team on and off the field, is they value him certainly as more, as more, at more than 50 million euros because you can let him go, but the idea is still that they finish top four or certainly top six. And they obviously have more chances to do that with Trippier in their team. So unless Bayern increase their offer quite massively, which I don't think they will, um, then I don't think he will, he will move there. And Newcastle insisting on him staying, the player keeping his mouth shut, obviously, but Bayern continuing to push Shaka. Yeah, listen, I, I, I have to admit that the news of the bid kind of uh, surprised me that Bayern were interested in, in Kieran Trippier, but so be it. They've made some other signings. This, is, this, some, this transfer window that confused me a little bit. But Kieran Trippier is very important to Newcastle. And, and, and not just as, as a player, but to, as Jules mentioned, as a leader. And, and I think the way he kind of um, the, the way he kind of garners fan support as, as well. Remember Kieran Trippier was, was Eddie Howe's first signing in January 2022 when the team were rooted at the bottom of the table. And so he has as he is seen as so trans, transformational 
for Newcastle and, and has been embraced as such. And then totally opposite from, from the Barcelona conversation, when things aren't going well, here is Kieran Trippier who is going to the fans and trying to take some of the heat away from some of the other players. A player who has real leadership quality. So is, is loved throughout by everybody for every single reason. Even despite his, his, his poor spell, uh, playing-wise, I, I don't think that diminishes his importance to Newcastle United. So you understand Newcastle holding out for, for top dollar. If, They're not going to get it, are they? But I, I don't think they will. But if for some reason they, they do, uh, be, be assured that Kieran Trippier will be welcomed back to, to Newcastle. I mean, Bayern Munich, as Joe said, are not going to all of a sudden say, oh, you know, let's give you 35, 40 million for a 33-year-old. That's just... That's just pie in the sky. And I mean, it'd be, be sheer stupidity if they did. But, you know, if Eddie Howe was to lose, as Shaq said, such an important member and, and such a stalwart of a player, notwithstanding the, the bad sort of four or five weeks that he has had, and, but that's, that's been sandwiched in between a really good period. If he was to lose him for 15 million, it's, that, that's, that's doing nothing. All you're doing is losing the player. That's a drop in the ocean yeah. in today's market and finance is 15 million so I can totally understand it's a two-way street here because I'm sure I'm sure I don't know but I'm sure Trippy enjoys playing at Newcastle it's a great place great crowd they're a, they're a good side but Bayern Munich they're still it's still a draw isn't it you know 33 couple of years left maybe at the top at most potentially the Champions League or he's already played in the Champions League couple you know, of your England going for uh, couple yeah, of your England going for a domestic league anyway potentially with Leverkusen at such a big club uh that, that's hard to not go into Eddie Howe and sort of bang the door down and say, I want this move, which it doesn't seem that the player is doing at this moment in time. Uh, because we see Chelsea with that big win today over Middlesbrough Jules, we wanted to get your take on the latest from Breuer and Gallagher in this transfer window. Well, that hasn't really changed. I think Ian Madsen left the club on loan with an option to buy from, from Borussia Dortmund. And we've, we've mentioned many times before, it's a bit like the Newcastle situation in a way, where Chelsea needs some money coming in before going out again and buying a centre-forward, a goalkeeper, whatever they want. They, they need to sell first. So Madsen, although I don't think they should have let him go, but it was let go for that reason. Uh, and you can't obviously rule out that someone like Broja, someone like Gallagher will go for the same reasons. Really, I don't think it's, Pochettino doesn't want them to go, although Broja is, is slightly different status in that team. I think he's not good enough to lead a Chelsea team that want to go back to the top. I mean, we could, to be fair, say that probably the same for Gallagher, but I think Gallagher is a, is a more key player in the eyes of Pochettino than Broja is. But however, the, the dynamic is the same for them. They are product from your academy. So any transfer fee that you get from them is straight profit into your bank account, which is right now. And all, everything that Chelsea need is that. So I think they will stay. Uh, but if there was a, a, a player potentially able to come in for Chelsea, then they would have to sell first. And one of the players that would have to be sold would be either Gallagher or Broja. So Victor Ossiman has also been a little bit vocal recently when it comes to the transfer window. Here's what he had to say. He said, I've already made my decision on the next step to do at the end of the season. I already made up my mind. I already have my plan. I know what I want to do, the next step I want to take. I think 60% of the people mention the rumours about me linked with the Premier League. I want to finish the season with Napoli strong, then come up with the decision I've already made. Hold on, am I, am I missing something here? Didn't he just sign a new contract? 
I think so, yeah. Well, th th this is what we're yeah. coming to yeah. Jules on. And I just like the way that he's brought up the Premier League himself <laughs> there as well. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, good for Ozyman to, <laughs> to talk. He's obviously uh, in Ivory Coast at the moment with Nigeria for, for AFCON. He, Craig is right. He's just signed a new deal with a huge release clause of 130 million euros. And maybe Ozyman knows already that one club will pay that release clause, whether that's... Man United or Chelsea, I think right now, to be honest, unless PSG are without Kylian Mbappe and they can put their money on the table, but if, if Mbappe stays, the only clubs really that can afford Victor Ozyman right now are the English clubs. And within the Premier League, Man City are not going to spend that on Ozyman, Arsenal don't have that kind of money right now. So you look again at Manchester United or Chelsea and that's pretty much it. Spurs are not going to spend that, Liverpool certainly not. So. If he already knows, it must be one of those two clubs. Unless, again, Mbappe leaves PSG to go to Real Madrid and then PSG can try to come in for Victor Ozyman. But apart from that, it can only be really two clubs in Europe right now who can go for him. Anything to say there? No? No. <laughs> I was just wondering, it's funny that you brought up Mbappe because what if Real Madrid went for Ozyman and left Mbappe in the lurch, Jules? Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, before anything happens between Real Madrid and Ozyman, Real Madrid are waiting right now for Kylian's answer. And Kylian has to make that choice, and we've said it a million times on the show, either he stays a bit longer in Paris or he goes to Real Madrid. This is it. I mean, there's Liverpool, of course, in the race, but right now, uh, the offers that he has are one from PSG for a new deal and one for a transfer to Real Madrid. This is it. So, if Real Madrid want to go for Ozyman, they... Mbappé will have to say no first, and then Real Madrid can decide what they want to do. Chasing Haaland, going for Ozyman, going for Vlaovic, going for Rafael Leao, going for whoever they want, really. But first and foremost for them, they are waiting on Mbappé's answer, whether he jo he's joining them or not. And if he joins them, then there will be no Ozyman and certainly no Haaland this summer going to Real Madrid either. So if Real are waiting on Mbappé... And Osman has already made his mind up. Let's rule PSG out, or, or let, <laughs> let's rule Real Madrid out. So that's right. um, the, the the only move here that 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 I, 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 yeah, that's that's what I'm. That's my that's, uh, yeah. It's, wow. it's, oh, it's only Chelsea. watching these police shows. You're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's only, only Chelsea. I, I I can see kind of uh, making this splash. Uh, but they they can't at the moment. Well, they can't have to get a load of well, players out in the summer. That's, that's the thing. I, I mean, at this point, Chelsea and their spending, I, I don't think anybody could explain. Uh, how, how they're not in trouble already is, is beyond me. So, might as well just get, get yourself in more trouble and ask... How, how are Real Madrid not... How's Florentino Perez must go home and go, Jesus, this guy's annoying me. <laughs> I've been waiting on his answer for two years. We had his answer 18 months ago, whatever it is. We had his answer. His answer was he was coming and he changed his mind. Made me look stupid again, even more stupid than when I was on my pedestal trying to push for the Super League. So, you know, it's uh, let, let's not let Victor Osman become the new Kylian Mbappe. All right. Where we come on here every day and it's like, where's Victor going today? We might have caused yeah, that. Yeah, you, yeah, you know. We are speculating. You know that's going to happen here as well. You know that's going to happen. Yes. Between him and Mbappe, we're going to talk with somebody. This is the show for it, and this is the website for all the transfer talk. ESPN FC, make sure to head on over there to see all the latest rumours and murmurings. Harland, De Bruyne, Stevie and Shepard, Spy, Shaka and Naps, all great teammates. But what's the perfect teammate for growing your business? Well, that's Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify makes it easy for you to show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style with gorgeous, flexible templates and powerful tools. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fc. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash fc now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash fc. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another dramatic day in the Africa Cup of Nations. Andre Onana bench for Cameroon, who absolutely had to win their game against Gambia. And at one point, it looked as though they were going to be on their way out of the competition. But two late goals came their way and the chance to advance as well. They are through to the knockout stages. Jules is with us now. But what a crazy game it was for Cameroon and what a crazy ending as well, Jules. Oh, incredible, really, because they haven't been playing well so far in this tournament. There was a lot of pressure on Rigobert Song, of course. He's been a bit shambolic with the Onana, staying in Manchester for longer, missing the first game, playing in the second, but being really, really poor. Samuel uh, Eto'o, of course, getting involved a lot, Rigobert Song, and we heard what happened before the Senegal game, where he very patronizingly said, like, well, we're above them, we've always been better than them, basically, and then they get spanked in that game. So it was just so shambolic and when they went 2-1 down you think okay this is it and now this is going to be like a like an earthquake and and they turn it around in a most dramatic way incredible way yesterday's day was mad in in afghan today's day was today was again complete madness in what happened to cameroon of course and then later on what happened to algeria too well, you mentioned it, Jules. Shock of the day, Mauritania beating Algeria, which means Algeria are out of the tournament. Algeria failing to progress, Jules. Incredible, really. This is the biggest news of, of this competition, even more than Ghana yesterday being knocked out as well. Uh, Algeria, who finished bottom of their group, really. And when you see the group, we've just seen the rankings. It's incredible. They were bottom in the last uh, AFCON too, by the way. They missed out on the World Cup, being knocked out in the playoffs, in the African playoffs by Cameroon too. So Jamal Belmadi had had a, a rotten time since winning, obviously, AFCON, um, like two AFCONs ago, basically, a few years ago. And his, his, his time is finished there, of course. He dropped Riyad Mahrez. 
Basically, Algeria needed one point to qualify tonight, just one point. Mauritania has never won a single game in AFCON in their history. They've never even led in an AFCON game in their whole life, <laughs> in their whole history. And yet, they go and beat Algeria tonight. Incredible. Mares came on at halftime, was dreadful through the whole second half. It was just a, a terrible performance from an Algeria team that, despite all the talent that they have, just never functioned, not just in this competition, but like we've said for the last two years. So already seeing the surprises and a lot more talk about this and many more things over on the Gab and Jules podcast. Thanks so much for being with us, Jules. We'll speak to you again soon. But if you do want to hear more from Jules, make sure to download, uh, download the Gab and Jules show. Anyway, after that game at Stamford Bridge, which Chelsea absolutely thrashed Borough in, Alexis Nunes caught off with Mauricio Pochettino. Mauricio, congratulations from a 1-0 loss to goal after goal after goal times six. What did you find was the biggest difference from the match at Middlesbrough to here at Stamford Bridge? Yes, the difference is that we were so clinical today. and uh, The performance was similar, but looks different when you score goals. And yes, that I think was the, the main difference. And today we play well, and, and I think we were very clinical and, and so happy because I think it's a big step for us uh, to reach the, the final. Of course, a, a final for you. Um, does it feel like things are coming together? You also got some players back who scored again tonight. Are things finally clicking at the right time for you? No, I think the, I never complain about the performance because after nearly seven months, I see the performance 80 85% and I was always happy that we were not clinical enough and all the chances that we create, uh, we, we, we struggle to convert. But I think today, I think every time that we arrive, uh, you know, was uh, was goal. Um, yes, that is why we are so happy it's to build our confidence. We are a young team that we need to. Uh, we need this type of games and this type of situation to live all together to, to grow. And we were sitting just behind you, and it kind of reminded me in the first half of watching Cholo Simeone as well. You couldn't sit down, you were very animated, and you forget that Chelsea scored so many goals in the first half. What was uh, going through your mind watching that first half? And Cholo's always a good thing. Uh, no, Cholo, Cholo is my friend. Uh, he's my friend, and we have amazing, and he's a great coach, one of the greatest coach. Um, yes, of course, uh, yeah, sometimes this type, you know, because you know, uh, uh, it's, it's massive, no, to achieve and to go to Wembley and for this team and, and for the player and I think uh, I didn't was nervous, but I wanted to help in some way from outside. Like the coaching staff need to stay, you know, in, in the place because if not, uh, need to go out. But I think for me that I can stand up and stay there. I think, uh, well, trying to to help, you no, know, in in any circumstance and that's why I was a, I was a little bit no in moving on. Well, no problem. It's Sangre Latino. Thank you so much, Mauricio. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, there we go. Uh, obviously, Fulham against Liverpool now to find out who will oh. face Chelsea in the final. And everybody thinks Liverpool are going to advance here. But Frank Lepoff has got Fulham winning 3-2 and then advancing on penalties. Obviously, Liverpool coming into oh, the game. Oh, it's the old World Cup prediction again. 2-1 leads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Craig, Craig, don't forget the last time I was on my own, <coughs> I said it was a draw for yeah. Manchester United against Liverpool. And I was right. Yeah. So be yeah, careful. I want a, I want a Southwest London final at Wembley. That's Frank, you know yeah. what they say about broken no, clocks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, why, yeah so come on I then, why Fulham? <coughs> you know what? You know what? I think Fulham is capable of doing 
some trouble, really, to Liverpool. And um, we all had question marks about the fact that Salah wasn't there and, and uh, maybe uh, they would struggle scoring goals. And because they scored four goals the last game, oh yeah, everything is perfect in a perfect world. I don't see that easy, uh, that easy for them uh, playing at uh, Cottage Craven because Fulham will have a chance to go to Wembley as well. And I, I think they can score goals and, uh, and win that game. So he, Liverpool can struggle. I know it's against all odds, but I, I go for it. I would be fantastic because I will call everybody after the game and I will tease everybody like I did last time <laughs> with Manchester United. You know, you know why he chose Fulham? Because he thinks Chelsea can beat Fulham. He can't see Chelsea beating exactly. Liverpool, so That's he's true. like, oh, how true. am I going to get this? That's happening? completely true. <laughs> that's well, he's, he's, he's done two things tonight. He's the only man that's gone, the only person that's gone for Fulham to win, and he's the only person that's called it Cottage Craven. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the French way, right? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Oh, Craven uh, Cottage, sorry, Craven Cottage. Sorry. Now, if Fulham do go it's through... It's late, it's late. If, if Fulham do go through... He won't mention it, will he? No, oh God. Frank. Um, for first thing you have to do is block. Is you have to block him because I he, can't. He, I've already blocked oh, him. You've already blocked him. Well, yeah, I've blocked him already. Yeah, unblock him and then block him again. <laughs> <laughs> I unblock him. I will <laughs> find a way. Yeah, he'll find his way. <laughs> yeah, he, he gave me a scathing report for Middlesbrough at halftime as well on WhatsApp. So I need to block him too. Anyway, make sure to be with the gang tomorrow for Fulham against Liverpool. Obviously, that coverage will begin at two thirty for all the build-up, and we'll see if Frank's right, shall we? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. To the Bundesliga we go. This is how things are looking for Bayern Munich right now. They have got some catching up to do. Yes, they are again behind Bayer Leverkusen, but they're seven points behind them too. So make sure to join us tomorrow as we see Bayern in that makeup game against Union Berlin. Yes, uh, there's some pressure on Bayern right now. There really is because Bayer Leverkusen don't look to be going anywhere. No, well, Bayer Leverkusen have not been brilliant in the last two games, but they've got two 
you know, late goals. But they were much better in the second half uh, in Leipzig. Played really well. Uh, but they've got they've got their own problems. They've got people away at the, the AFCON and other competitions and, and Boniface is injured and, and Patrick Schick needs to really step up. But I think we can't question their character, there's no doubt. And they're unbeaten this season. That's amazing in the league. They haven't lost a game. Bayern Munich keep throwing up these... They're almost like anomalies. You think, nah, there's no way. You know, the Poco, they went out to some lower league team, crashed. Every now and again, this team under Tuchel go out and there's a performance where he's just scratching his head. And he said it on... I was following Ralph Honigstein and Tuchel was saying, oh, I don't understand because, you know, my players in training have been really, really good. And I'm like, because training's training. And what you do in training doesn't necessarily correlate to what you're going to do on a field. Because that's where the pressure is. That's where it matters. In training, it's easy. And what we're finding here, this is a Bayern team that are under pressure from particularly Bayer Leverkusen to really limit the mistakes. And I'm not sure this team can limit the mistakes. I really, I really don't. So whilst they've got a game in hand and, and it's not as bad as it looks at the moment in terms of the points, two or three bad results could see them by, what is it, February the 10th? February 10th, they meet each other. By the time they get to this game against Leverkusen, if they don't get their act together, this gap could be 10 points or thereabouts. And that's a that's a big task to try and pull that back. He gave them what for, apparently, in the dressing room as well after that Werder Bremen loss. Uh, ab absolutely. Uh, ab and, and, I mean, it, it, it had to be done. It, something had to be said because that was as poor a band performance I could remember seeing. And, and so the, the result against Werder Bremen, something needed, needed to, to be addressed, especially, as Craig has pointed out, how he felt coming into this one. My, my only, I don't know if it's a concern, as, as, far, as good as Leverkusen have been all season long, and for as much criticism we've heaped on, on Bayern Munich, they're still roughly within, within touching distance. And that's, we've just seen Bayern and this machine that they continue to show who they are in, in the Bundesliga. But if that Werder Bremen performance is repeated and with any kind of consistency, they are going to fall so far behind Leverkusen. Because while, yes, some of their performances haven't been good, if I'm sitting in that dressing room, I am praising our... I am praising the way we manage to grind results out, that we keep playing until the 95th minute if that's what it takes. And oftentimes, that's where what title seasons are built on, especially if you're a little bit of an underdog in terms of Bayern Munich and their successes, as Leverkusen have been. So if I'm Leverkusen, I'm really happy with where I am. I am mindful of the distance. But goodness me, Munich cannot. They, they cannot be any worse than they were against. And Leverkusen, Bremen. for Bayer, for their... They've also got stuff to deal with. I mean, on any other given day, yeah, they were playing Leipzig, who were in third at the time, and it was away from home. But in any other match, in that first half, in the first 20 minutes, they could have been two or three down. Mm -hmm. Could have been two or three down. That game could have been over. It wasn't, and Leverkusen were allowed back into it and, and dominated the game, but... But they were mis making mistakes at the back that I haven't really seen them make all, all year. John Jonathan Tass had a great season, but he was all over the place in that first 45 minutes from a defensive aspect. So none of these, I suppose in any league, no team's perfect. But, you know, it's not, it's not within the realms of possibility that, that Leverkusen could allow uh, Bayern Munich back into it. But I think Xavi Alonso, just got to, he's got to guard against that. Listen, don't, if they put a run together, Bayern Munich, that is, fine. But let's not let them back into it by our performances. And that will just keep 
the Leverkusen players on their toes. Yep, so let's see how Bayern do fare tomorrow in a game that was originally cancelled due to bad weather. It is against Union. You can see it right here on ESPN Plus, 2.30 Eastern, with all the build-up to that game. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Extra time is on the way next. Frank LaBeouf's joining us. Phone me, phone me. Oh, come on. Oh, Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Well, it's Frank's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Frank. Thank you, Kate. Thank you very much, my dear. Just have a nice day. Yeah, I had uh, yeah, we had a very good day, and um, we had a very good dinner. My wife cooked, and I had some friends, and my son, and Why my did you uh, ask him? my daughter-in-law. So that was uh, that was very nice. That was very Frank. nice. What do you do for your sixtieth? Did you send him a card? What? Did you send Frank a card? I did. You know what it said on it? Shut up, Frank. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. As always, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always. Uh, okay. Frankie, shut up. Uh, first question on tonight's episode of Craig's Positivity Corner. Craig will. That's. Well, Craig what, will what? What, what, you be positive about? what are you going to bring us in the Positivity Corner? I'm not in it. You must be quite positive about Chelsea. I could walk over there to the very dimly lit area that the director complained about the last time I went, but I shan't. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you positive? You're so touchy. Why are you so positive in dimly lit areas? <laughs> because you can't see me. And I just add as well that the second question is for Craig. Can we get another edition of Positivity Corner for extra time today? Well, I don't need to actually today because uh, I don't need to go over to the uh, the corner of sarcasm because Chelsea didn't need any geeing up today. I didn't have to, oh. I didn't have to sugarcoat it like you know the, the one 0 loss away in Middlesbrough. So I don't have to. They did it all for me today. Elizabeth did it. They did it. Pocky. It's when Chelsea have a bad result. Oh, Villa coming up and Liverpool. That corner over there, <laughs> they might have to get some new lighting in there because that might, I might be over there. I might be over there quite re- uh, on a regular okay. basis in the next two games, possibly. Well, we'll see. Only time will tell. Brian says, for Kay, although Chelsea ended Borough's Carabao Cup dreams with such an emphatic victory, thanks. Do you think Michael Carrick's team have what it takes to rebound and win promotion to the Premier League? 
Well, they can be wrong. Go on, okay, answer B. I'm not ruling it out. They're not far off the playoffs. <laughs> and they made the playoffs last year. I just hope they <laughs> You need to go to the positivity corner. <laughs> it's just hard up to today. Listen, there are a lot of players missing. Players of international duty, players who are cup tied, players who are injured. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Middlesbrough fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Well, what a result today. Six. Only lost to six. Uh, uh, what, what happened on the weekend again? <laughs> Apparently, Middlesbrough going for uh, automatic promotion drew it home with the team bottom of the league. This is your cur Middlesbrough correspondent from the uh, positivity corner over and out. <laughs> you know what? You know it's. Uh, Oh it's God, like it's like Craig before before I don't know if it still exists, but you you had the lottery to get the uh, the green card in America. Yeah. Maybe there will be a lottery for and Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough can be promoted by the lottery next season. It's not that, that may far be the only next, reason. Right? <laughs> uh, come oh. on, you left. You're 11th in the championship. Yeah, but look how tight the table is, Frank. Look how tight the table is. That's yeah. a bit like the people in the Titanic. Yeah. Going, and the, as it's going down, going. <laughs> Do you know, I think we got a chance. I think this this ship looks okay here. As the bow just went goes up heads ten thousand feet below. Playing the music going, keep playing, lads. I tell you what we did win. The battle of the singing today at Stamford Bridge. You could only hear us oh, all well, the way well through the game. Well Thank you. Well done. There's not Congrats. much else to do. Congrats. Congrats. All right, why does the SPNFC dislike Arsenal so much? The framing of coverage for Arsenal oh compared God. to other teams in Europe is generally negative on missing... Hold on, who sent this in? Kieran Gibbs. <laughs> well, it is Kenzo. Is that Kieran's nickname? Yeah, it must be. <laughs> That's his bonner. Didn't, didn't, didn't we have the same question about Manchester United the week before, Real Madrid the week after, before, and, I don't know, another team Chelsea, the week before? Chelsea, Come on. a couple of Come weeks on, ago. Guys. You know, whenever yeah, I, used to, a couple when weeks I used to travel around the, the, all the grounds in England doing uh, Premier League and the FA Cups and all that years before I, before I was, uh, what's the word? I have no idea. I have deported? I, that's <laughs> deported. <laughs> I'm waiting, I'm waiting to see. Did you say deported? <laughs> <laughs> Kidnap. <laughs> Kidnap. Kick, kicked out. Kicked out. Kicked out. Kidnap. <laughs> <laughs> Before I suddenly just appeared in the side of the pond, whenever I used to go around the grounds, it was... It was very that. Why do you hate Man United when I go to Old Trafford? Why do you hate Chelsea? Why do you hate Tottenham? Why do you hate Arsenal? Every one of them thinks that you hate their club. It's quite scary. It, it is. It is. But how, how do we how do we frame Arsenal positively, given what we've seen over recent weeks? They were top beginning of December. What what's what's even even Craig's positivity corner is a stretch. <laughs> Well, it's fine. Here are the on. It's flying under the radar now. Oh, is that, is yeah. that what, okay. Yeah. It's a, which is a good thing. Tell you what, you, really? you are really positive, you know. A good thing. They want to be chasing and not chasing. It's amazing. Oh, oh well, you, you are so... There you go. <laughs> Stevie and I were on, and Nickel and I were on that day and looking at each other going, I'm quite, I'm quite on board with this one. Arsenal, Arsenal flying under the radar. 
And also, it's better to have less points than more points. <laughs> I was going to say it's better to have loved it less, to have never loved it all. <laughs> 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 All right. I've never heard it framed like that. What's that? I wouldn't know where he was less going. Points more points. <laughs> it's, it's more beneficial at this time of the season to have less points than more points. <laughs> what? All right. Maybe we're just missing something here. Today is National Pie Day. Start bench or drop these pies. Ooh. Shepherd's pie, apple pie, or aloo pie. What's aloo? Curry. Aloo potato. Oh, they cut like a curry, potato curry. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. It's, yeah, so aloo oh, is, the, is the Indian word for potato. Oh, um, apple pie, aloo pie, shepherd's pie. Well, you're what? So that's what? So that's who I start bench and drop. Start What's aloo, the... start apple, Bench, start apple. Oh God! Bench aloo, drop shepherds. Really? He's gonna be ringing the show again. That's all right. Huh? Yeah. I love me an aloo pie. It's only, it's only small. I don't like. I'm not an apple pie guy. You have an apple pie? Do you have? I love. Yeah, well, you've got a sweet tooth, haven't you? I do. Yeah. But what with Shaq? What? Just do you have cream, cream or ice? ice cream? Ice cream. Ice cream. It's gotta be ice cream. Vanilla. Big <laughs> space. <laughs> That was pie. All right. I'm, I'm dropping chef. Leave me alone with that. Uh, I mean, I'm dropping chef. As we speak, you know, Stevie will have it all done. He's chocolate. I'm surprised he's not ringing us. That's a bomb. I'm about to say. Last time somebody said something an extra time you didn't agree with, he called in. I did love that. That was when I was saying yeah. that. Yeah, I've, I've been here since. <laughs> yeah. I got kidnapped here in China. You got deported. You got deported into it. I was deported from the UK. <laughs> they removed my passport from any ability to go back there. Ah, Steve called, Stevie called in. Ah, goodness. Oh. Yeah. Right. Wonderful moment. All I've done is laugh. <laughs> All right. Have you ever played in a testimonial? If so, how differently do players view it compared to pre-season friendly? Yeah, I couldn't get the stuff. Well, it was a pre-season friendly, actually. We went down, played in a couple, we went down and played in uh, uh, Jimmy Phillips, who was a stalwart left-back for Bolton back in the day when Bolton were in the Premier League. And, and of course, a lot of these teams in England or a lot of these players would want... I was, at, I was playing for Celtic at the time. And Celtic and Rangers, particularly Celtic, were a big draw for people having testimonials. Back in the day when the wages weren't, the salaries weren't astronomical because, for example, Celtic, didn't matter where you went to play, they would take 10,000 with them. So they'd fill a stadium, so that's money. So we went down to play Bolton and it was just off the back of the World Cup, 98, France 98. I wish I hadn't brought that up, he'll say, won't it? And, uh, Good though. By the time he comes back on screen, he'll have it on the top of his head. <laughs> and so, having just played the World Cup with the boys, and then we're pre-season with Celtic, <laughs> let's just say we were not taking this as serious as we yeah. might have. And we got to the hotel in Bolton, which was next to the new stadium, and next to the hotel, there was a row of shops, and then there was one thing that was a very big allure for the players. A pub. So we decided, most of us, the unprofessional element of the uh, squad, which I was part of, we'd go and spend the night before Jimmy Phillips' testimonial in the pub, which we did. I'm not seriously at all. No. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I, I, I only put in one testimonial. I, Peter Beardsley's for Newcastle. We invite Celtic. This was, this was the end of the season, so even less reason to take it with any seriousness at all. Um, of, 
End of season friendly. Craig's point. Celtic bring 10 or 15,000 down. I mean, it's a hop, skip and a jump from, from Glasgow. Um, bring. Yeah, they, you just know they're bringing a lot. You, they bring 10 or 15,000. The stadium is packed. Yep. And they're actually winning. They, they, they're actually winning with about half an hour to go. Nobody's taking anything seriously. So Newcastle just start bringing, we just start bringing players on. I, it was it was so at first the Celtic players seemed to get a little upset and then they realised this really don't matter. So we Newcastle first you gave it about 16 players of the park and um, and Chira picks the ball up in the box and just does this ridiculous dive. I mean it clearly you know just does this big old dive. Refs give, give, ref gives a penalty so Peter Bersley can score. He misses the first penalty. Rev gives it, no, keep it moved, <laughs> keep it moved, take it over. Peter scored the penalty the last minute and, and everybody was happy. It, it was just, it was just a lot of fun. It, it really just turned out to be really fun. Oh, Frank, do you remember any testimonials nah. that you played in? Yeah, yeah, the first year that I spent with Craig at Chelsea, we had the uh, Kevin Hitchcock's testimonial. I think we played against a Dutch team. I think it was PSV Eindhoven or, yeah, I think it was that club. Or, yeah, I think it was that club. That was a great, that was a great game. It was a, uh, Stafford Bridge was packed. Uh, I think Kevin made lots of money, happy for him. And uh, and I think we won on top of it. So, but it was it was nice. It was really nice. I but don't even remember that. It was different than a friendly game because you want to win. I think you want to win for you for for for, for the players um, who had that tribute. Yeah, it was the first year. Um, I think it was. Yeah, Kevin I should, I should the, remember the, the bearing in mind year. he was best man at my wedding. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I don't. Okay. Maybe he'd been to the pub at the yeah, end of should. the shops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got offered a testimonial, you know, at Chelsea. And my contract, the contract that I turned down before I left uh, to go to uh, Celtic, they offered me a four-year contract. A uh, new one, which would have taken me to a testimonial, but I've, I'm very self-aware. Many people won't think that. But I thought to myself, who's going to turn up for my testimonial? <laughs> it was like one man and a dog. <laughs> so I was like, no, nah, no. Nah. I'll take the money. I'm going to go to Celtic. I mean, this happened to a few players, you know, that for for no bad reason, like Johnny Bumstead was at Chelsea, stalwart, got a couple of thousand there because the weather was terrible. They played, I think, Real Sociedad. And Stevie tells a great, not a great story, Graham Sharp at Everton, who was a Scottish striker, fantastic player, Sharpie. Great stalwart in that Everton side with Andy Gray and and uh, Lineker and whoever they bought, Peter Reid, what a team they had. He had a testimonial. And the weather, apparently Stevie tells the story, the weather was so bad in Liverpool. It was so bad, literally nobody turned up. Literally. I mean, that, that's yeah, that's yeah. a choker, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. 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 I love that you were like, no. Nah, That's nah. sad. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to embarrass myself, but any chance I can just take the money, I'll take the extra. Oh. Sun, is, sun is shining. Hey. Sun is shiny. Nobody. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. In Real Madrid, I think, what nobody showed up. Hutchinson, the chief executive, I said, tell you what I'll do. We'll skip the, we'll skip the testimonial, my old pal. Forget that. I said, I'll just take the extra money now instead of waiting to see how many people turn up. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't do it. Very humble, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Very, 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 yeah. That's very humble. Very, very positive. Last question for Frank: Will you be reaching out to Karim Benzema directly to urge him to sign on with Chelsea in light of his desire to leave the Saudi league? 
Well, if I call him, uh, I reach him out, uh, we'll ask him how fit he is, because I want to make sure he's going to be useful and he's not re completely retired. And uh, But of course, if Karim Benzema still has the, uh, the, 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 the willingness of doing his best, uh, getting his best and, uh, and getting uh, in shape, uh, as he was for Real Madrid, yes, he's more than welcome and I will urge him to come to score goals for Chelsea, for sure. For sure, you cannot deny that Karim Benzema the last decade was the best striker in the world. So you would love to have the same kind of player at the same level for Chelsea, for sure. All right. Well, that will do it for Frank, keep his number in the phone, did he? Frank, keep Karim Benzema's number. Block him. Benzema, block Frank. Block Frank. <laughs> block you. <yeah. laughs> <laughs> yeah, he already blocked me, yeah. <laughs> Frank only texts a generic text to all of us anyway. We've yeah. established. Let me tell you, if we want any top player on the phone immediately, this, this here bat phone is a hotline to all the top stars. I've got them all in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I believe me. No, I did not. I want to know who the, who's the most famous name in it. Me? <laughs> so humble. You have, you have your name I don't, in your So phone. humble. I don't know. I, I, listen, I don't mix. I'm a man of the people. I don't mix with famous people. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right, Being that phone, you've got to be a joiner, a plumber, or an electrician. <laughs> and local as well. You're out. He keeps it local as well, does Craig Burley, because he's a man of the people. All right, thanks so much for Citizen sending Smith. in your questions. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>